Good morning. Today's date is May 16th, 2021. We're reading from the big book of AA, pages 94, at the top, beginning with outline the program of action, down to the bottom of 95, and finishing with the paragraph, if he thinks he can do the job in some other way. Um, let's see, for our text, Kimberly is going to be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Nancy. So um, go ahead, Kimberly. Thank you for reading the text. Hi, I'm Kimberly. I'm a compulsive overeater. Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you, that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeful, hopeless he feels, the better. He is more likely to follow your suggestions. Your candidate may give reasons why he, not, he need not follow the program. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from a moral or spiritual high top. Simply lay out the, the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked for you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. If he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. If he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. If he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, encourage him to follow his own conscience. We have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach that works with us. But point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly. Let it go at that. Thank you, Kimberly. 
make sure I'm on mute. Yeah. Um, so now we'll have a 20 minute by uh, 20 minute share by Nancy. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Nancy. I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery from New Jersey. And before I, I start uh, my talk, I just wanted to relay a funny story. I was asked in March to maybe be at this meeting. Would I consider it? And I uh, threw a text and I said, sure. And one of my least favorite things to do in the world is public speak. In fact, many years ago at work, in front of 100 people, I passed out at the podium because I was so nervous about public speaking. So it's not my favorite thing to do, but I know I've learned in this program in my recovery that it is not wise for me to say no when I'm asked to do service and it's not helpful to me to say no. And there might be somebody that I could help. And that is my primary purpose. So I said, yes. And then when um, the person texted me a few days ago to remind me, she asked my last name. We never spoke to each other with names we, in the text. We didn't address each other by names. And when I said, Nancy, the text I received back was Nancy, question mark, question mark, question mark. Apparently my number was taken down by accident. I was supposed to be another person. And um, the, you know, she got my name from the Unity Day meeting. I was there, I didn't share at the meeting. I was wondering the whole time, how the heck did, did why did she pick me? She doesn't even know me. I guess somebody must have given her my name. So here I am. And we've both decided this is God's will. So um, I listened to a tape by Father Martin a while ago. Father Martin is an old timer in uh, AA. He's passed. He passed in 2009. But um, one thing that he said on the tape, a couple of things, but he it stuck with me, it was his prayer. And so I've been praying this prayer this morning for a few days, I've been praying it and it's God help them to help me and help me to help them. And so I hope that's what, what transpires today for all of us. Um, he also said, just like in what we read um, that when we talk to each other, what we say is very important. Um, we're playing with each other's lives and our, our words can either help or really damage somebody. So we have to uh, think about what we say and say it carefully. And so I take this very seriously. The words I say to you are coming from my heart and from my recovery and I know from I hope, right, for my higher power. And, um, you know, we are playing with each other's life. I hope that some of you might hear what you need to hear for your recovery. So um, when I work with sponsees, I tell them a little bit about myself. Um, and I think that's important to do today since, you know, none of you know me. So I want to tell you what it was like what happened and what it's like now. 
So I came to my first OA meeting in 1977, um, and I stayed until 1992. And for those 15 years that I was in OA, I only had five years of abstinence, and that was the last five years that I was in. And then I just chose to pick up again, and I threw it all away. And I came back to OA in April of 2009 because I had had enough. The pain, um, I was in my own personal hell that I know you know what that's like. Um, but my weight at different points in those 17 years would yo-yo because I would diet. I went on every new diet that came out. I bought every new diet book that was out. And my goal every time was to then be able to eat normally. That is my insanity. You know, in step two where it talks about how restores to sanity, my insanity was always that I'll be able to eat normally again. And um, I, I never could, of course, because I'm a compulsive overeater to the you know, well, big degree. So um, I was about 60 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, but I was always going on a diet, trying to find an easier, softer way. Um, it never happened. I had no idea where I was going and I was getting there quick. I was seeing a therapist and often I would go in after binging and I would be so remorseful and suicidal. And he would say, you know, why don't you go back to OA? And I remember distinctly saying those people, all they talk about is how not to eat. And all it does is make me want to eat. They're crazy. And I, I wouldn't come back. But the truth is that I couldn't be honest about how irrational and insane my eating was. Um, I couldn't be honest that, that I was driving myself crazy. I had remorse after every binge. And I knew that you would ask me to stop eating. And I knew that I couldn't. So I kept lying to myself and looking for an easier, softer way. Um, at the end of my diets, I would always feel wonderful. And it never occurred to me not to go back to trying to eat normally. And I would do it again and again. And I would just take the first bite, gain a lot of weight and have to go on another diet. And that ended in January of 2009. Um, I went on my last diet, please God. At that time, the diet lasted for three weeks. And then I began binging nonstop. I started to put weight on really fast, but the most disturbing part of it wasn't, wasn't the weight and the fat. The disturbing part of it is that I wasn't getting the, the kick and the fix from the eating. Um, before there was kind of a release with the urge, you know, like an addict. You have the urge, you have the urge, you have to get the fix. And it wasn't working anymore. And um, I, I became so obsessed. No amount of food, no kind of food would squelch that. I was just obsessed all the time. And food, thoughts of food, um, how I was going to stop, 
how I would, what I was going to eat controlled 99% of my thoughts. I had no idea why I felt so bad and why I was so afraid. All I knew, you know, OA was completely out of my head. It was just, I can't stop this. I can't stop this eating. I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm not getting any release when I do eat. What am I going to do? Uh, so then I pray that I never forget my last binge. And my last binge was in April of 2009. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember crying as I drove to the store to get my binge foods, asking God to please help me not, not go into the store. I cried as I got out of the car. I opened the car door crying. I wiped my face as I walked into the store praying, don't let me do this. Why are you letting me do this, God? I, I don't want to do this. And I went in, it was a, a drugstore, and I was going to get Easter sales stuff. And I had a basket and I filled it to the top with Easter sales stuff. And I saw two people in the store that knew me and they, they looked at the basket and before they said anything to both of them, I told them I was having a party and was buying stuff for the party. Who would want that stuff for a party? I don't know, but as if they cared, as if they didn't have a life of their own. You know, I didn't think about anybody except myself. My husband would ask me to stop, do something because I was always crying and remorseful, binging in front of him. And, and I'd say to him, I'm not hurting you. I'm only hurting myself. What do you care? You know, I had no, no sense of, of anybody else except me. And everything was about me. Um, so I have been, um, oh, I, I binged on the ride home, crying the whole time. I came home. I ate a huge dinner cried. I, I wished I was uh, bulimic because I was so sick, but I, I wasn't. I ran. The, here's where God answered my prayer. I came upstairs and I went onto my computer and it was as if an alien was in my body. I looked up an OA meeting. I got the person's name and I, from the meeting, the contact, and I called and asked where the meeting was. I didn't have GPS. And I went to the meeting that night and um, I have been abstinent ever since. Caveat to that in 2015, um, I had some several major losses and traumas in my life. Um, and I decided that it was too hard to work the steps. It was too hard to, to be going to meetings all the time. So though I have not picked up sugar, any binge foods, and I haven't been binging since 2009, in 2005 to 2020, I decided to stop weighing and measuring and just see what I could get away with, with my food. And it made me really unhappy. It wasn't a clean abstinence. So, in May of 2020, I, I got my, the abstinence that I feel 
is is really clean and good back. And so that was over a year ago, was May 2nd. So, um, so from 2009 and, and from 2020, I've had this gift. And um, like I said, I've lost 60 pounds. Some, some of that was through the yo-yo dieting. Most of it was through abstinence, but that's secondary. Um, what I tell my sponsors, my sponsees is that the void has been filled. That fear that I had and the pain that I didn't know where it was coming from, it was from that spiritual void and I didn't know it. And it's been filled one day at a time as I'm in recovery. I used to hate my guts. I hated myself. I hated myself when I looked in the mirror. I, and I didn't really know why, except I, I knew that it was connected with the eating, but it was the void. It was the aloneness I felt, the fear of being alone. And um, it, it's just been lifted. I no longer um, have urges to eat. It's been removed, just like in the promises that we read. I have not even sworn it off. One day at a time, it's been removed. And I love myself. I'm learning to love myself more and more each day. Um, you know, I know that the desire to find God, as it, it talks about, you know, if he is to find God, the desire has to come from within himself. And that's exactly what happened. My sponsor helped me with the steps. God answered the call. And then he, she, he put her in my life. And I've had the same sponsor since 2009 and I love her and she's a spiritual guide a mentor we're connected um uh I wanted to read something from 24 hours a day in the AA book from May 11th just to sum up and it's kind of what what we read today so the meditation for the day on that day May 11th is Wherever there is true fellowship and love between people, God's spirit is always there as the divine third. In all human relationships, the divine spirit is what brings them together. When a life is changed through the channel of another person, it is God, the divine third, who always makes the change, using the person as a means. The moving power behind all spiritual things, all personal relationships between people is God, the divine third, who is always there. No personal relationships can be entirely right without the presence of God's spirit. And the prayer for that day is, I pray that I may be used as a channel by God's spirit. I pray that I may feel that the divine third is always there to help me. And I pray that the divine third is always there to help you. And that as we're helping each other, we help our sponsees. Um, so I accept that I was meant to be here today and um, thank you all for being here. Thank you, Nancy.